Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On today's episode, Pastor Lance Hahn and I are joined by Jenny Williamson, founder and CEO of Courage Worldwide. Courage Worldwide is an international nonprofit organization that builds homes for children rescued out of sex trafficking around the world, and they do a whole bunch more than that. Today, we're going to hear Jenny's story and the story of Courage Worldwide, and we'll learn about what's being done today in our region and around the world to combat sex trafficking. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right. Well, welcome to season two, episode 11 of the Engaging Culture podcast. Glad to have you with us. I am Brian Kiley, joined by Lance Hahn. Yes, I am still here, Brian. Still here. Following you around everywhere. Right where I left you two weeks ago. (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) I'm very hungry, Brian. (laughs) I've been in the studio for two weeks. But you are ready to go. I'm ready to go. (laughs) And we are so excited to be joined by Jenny Williamson, founder and CEO of Courage Worldwide, author, speaker, life coach. All around awesome lady. All around awesome lady. Just saying. Jenny, thanks for being with us today. Good morning. You guys have such radio voices, and I got the southern twang going on. Hey, how come I'm jealous of yours? You're going to draw me into the twang. Hi, I'm Jenny Williamson. Hi, y'all. <laughs> well, you know, we've all got these fancy microphones, so it all makes yeah. us all sound totally. much more. I wish I, I sounded t- like this at home. That'd I know. Be awesome. right? <laughs> yeah. We all sound less whiny than we do when in we're real on life. stage or in real life. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Jenny, you you have got such an incredible story. Curls Worldwide is an amazing organization, and, I, and I'm so excited to, first of all, just to hear from you some of your story, but then, and for our listeners as well, for them to get to hear from you. But let's just start, we'll start a little bit with you, and then we'll get to to courage. Okay. Tell us, uh, tell our listeners some of your story. Okay. Um, in a little nutshell, I grew up in Mississippi, which they called the Bible Belt, and we were the buckle of that belt. And people in California really don't get what that means. That means every single person I knew growing up went to church on Sunday yep. and professed that Jesus was their Savior. I did not know a single person that did not have that same type of belief system until I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area when I was 32 years old. (laughs) The exact same thing. You mean everyone's not a Christian there? a culture shock to this little Southern girl. But what that did for me and my journey with the Lord is all of a sudden when everyone doesn't speak your language, if you will, and doesn't agree with you, all of a sudden I started looking around going, well, wait a minute. All these people are really nice. Yeah. Like they don't believe in Jesus, but they're honest. They're trying to raise their kids the best way they know how. They had integrity. I like them. I let my children go to their house. (laughs) And that messed with me. Yeah. Because I was like, well, what is... Why doesn't my life look any different than theirs? What is my belief getting me that doesn't get them? Now, I got up every morning and drug my children kicking and screaming to church, <laughs> right. whether they wanted to go or not. <laughs> right. right? But that was it. Mm. And so that sent me on a journey with God of what difference does it make? Yep. And where I ended up with, I want the God of the Bible. Yeah. Amen. That's, that's where I ended Every up. Every bit of him. If you're real, and that sounds like sacrilegious, right, as a Christian, but that's why I said, if sure. you're real, yep. then I want you in my life in the way that you were and the stories we read in the Bible. And when you grow up in the church, you know the end of every story, right? Yep. So I started with the beginning of the stories, 
and tried to pretend like I didn't know the end mm-hmm. and tried to be those people and yep. feel those emotions and, and not just go, yeah, 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 Daniel gets rescued at a lion's den. They're not going <laughs> to eat him because that's what we do. And that sent me on a journey that was this crazy one of where the Lord finally asked me, do you have the courage to be you, mm. the you I created? Yeah. Well, that to me right there, that's that's bait. Right. I, I'm going to take that bait. <laughs> right. um, so courage to be you in, in what sense? I mean, you are who you are. Right. But were you not living you? You know what I'm saying? So help us out a little bit on that one. What do you, what do you, yeah. what is it, what do you think Jesus meant by do you have the courage to be who I made you to be? Well, that was that was a two year journey of figuring okay. out exactly what that meant, because the, the part of the question was not do you have the courage to be you? Because that's kind of like our culture, right? Yes. Go be you. Yeah. Be whoever you want to be yeah. and don't apologize for it. Right. God's question was different. Do you have the courage to be you? The you I created. So I yep. said, who is she? Who's she? Yeah. And he started my personal journey. Yeah. He started reminding me of the little girl I once was. Yeah. And she was fearless. <laughs> she used to tell everybody about Jesus. Mm. <laughs> she, I mean, would stand and, and fearlessly, confidently professed about God yeah. and, and who she was. And she had an opinion and she had a fight and she was fearless. Yeah. And it was just childhood memories. Yeah. And then I started going, wow, what happened to that little girl? Mm. Because I was not that woman. Yeah. I had been assimilated into culture and to what yep. our culture told me I was supposed to be as a mom, as a wife, as a Christian. And it was all just domesticated. Yeah. I wasn't Tamed, fearlessly yeah. doing anything. So then, Tamed. Good so word. then God brings this question, do you have the courage to be you that you have created you to be? And and you start to wrestle with this in a significant way. Yeah. What started to happen from from there? How did things begin to change? Man, he just showed me like who I was supposed to be. And that woman scared me to death. Mm. <laughs> she's going to get in some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right on. And she's going to rock our world, her marriage, her family, yeah. her kids. I mean, it truly takes courage to be who God's created you to be. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's unique. And for me, the, the I guess the big deal was is I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I didn't have any talents. I've been shush my whole life. I just talk too much and I'm just loud and I'm just hard headed <laughs> and I'm just bossy and all the words that have been used, yeah. you know. And so then God started like putting a different word on it. He was like, well, you're not bossy. You're a leader. And I'm like, dang, that sounds way better. <laughs> yeah, let's stick with that one. Right? I like that and instead one. of you talk a lot, you're, you're a good communicator. Instead of stubborn, you're tenacious. And literally, he just started giving me new words and, and starting to see who he created me to be. And then I had some great mentors you know, that spoke into that and just took all the negative feedback that you get from you know early childhood on. Mm. Even we kid around with our kids, calling them names, if you will. Right. Yeah. And so I just started owning the words and speaking them over myself, which mm-hmm. then led me to do it with my children and my husband. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, contagious, if yeah. you will. And then I think for me, the other part I wrestled out with was, and then you're a child of God. And so then that kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that my whole life too. You're a child of good. What that meant to me was be good, follow the rules and be Mm. good. And man, when I just started reading the Bible, it looked like there's a lot of people that weren't following the rules, rules of society. (laughs) Of society. Yeah. And a culture. And some of them got their heads chopped off because of it. Yes. Let's just like be clear about that. When we use the word courage, I mean, the Lord wasn't promising me ease. No. He was promising me a cross. Yeah. We're all going to end up at the cross, mm-hmm. dying to something. 
Right. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> wow. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's true. And, and to, to be able to recognize that, that, cur- that, first of all, following God's call does not necessarily mean ease and comfort. And then second, I mean, courage, I mean, what do they say? Courage is not the absence of fear. It's persisting in the face of fear. Absolutely. Right? That it's not yeah. that, oh, well, this is going to be, because I know God has called me here, it's going to be easy and straightforward and there's not going to be challenges and I'm not going to have difficulty. But why do, like, pastor, why do we think that growing up in the church, if we finally do it God's way, it's going to be easy. Like, I don't, I thought that. Oh, it's not yeah. biblical. Well, because we, I think we are taught that the only, um, we're so sheltered that we are taught that kind of the only thing that'll rattle your cage is, is making God mad. And so everyone says, if you just keep things quiet, he'll protect you from everything else. And yet you read the Bible and it's actually much more about extremism in the, in the, from the view of society, right? So all of a sudden you have Jesus, you know, going head to head with Pilate, right? And Pilate's trying to manipulate him and Jesus isn't having it. And he's like, I have the power to make your life easier. And Jesus said, well, I don't need your power. You know what I mean? I mean, he's shutting down help. He was, you got Paul going head to head with the, you know, saying you guys treated me wrong. I'm going all the way in. You know, you have these extreme characters and, and really Jesus's life was not easy and calm in his home. It was not easy and calm with his friends. It was not easy and calm. You know what I mean? So I think that we're kind of inoculated uh, growing up in the church where if you just do it God's way, everything's cool. And you go, uh, are you sure? Because I think <laughs> Daniel did it God's way and ended up in the lion's den. I John think. the Baptist, head chopped off. Head chopped yeah. off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, certainly I think that we are not sold accuracy. Well, and I, for me, and just the journey that I've gone as we entered into this world after I've gone through this crazy journey with God, sure. and he, then yeah. he says, okay, I, I'm going to pick you. Now that you kind of got who you are, I'm going to pick you for this issue of sex trafficking. I was not prepared by the church um, my life for the kind of fight and battle and right. evil that I was being sent into. Hmm. I, I feel like I was sent as a warrior without armor. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it was it was one of the things that I've really been wrestling with after the last 10 years of working in this arena mm-hmm. um, as I'm getting to be grandma age is like, gosh, I'm, I'm having a passion to prepare people for their purpose mm-hmm. because I drank the Kool-Aid and said yes and went running out thinking I was inoculated. I love yep. that word. <laughs> thinking that the power of heaven was behind me. Yeah, I know the devil's going to come, but you know, God, he ambushes our enemies as long as I'm doing what he said. Yep. And I was truly unprepared for the battle. Hmm. Wow. Um, that's powerful. And I want to, I want to come back to that because I think that there's, I mean, and I love that that's a heart that you have to say, okay, how do we, how do we start to prepare people then? If I, I, I entered this battle, you fought this battle for a long time and you felt unprepared. How do we prepare people for it? I think that's, that's huge. Let's, but let's talk for a minute just about the, the battle itself, if you mm, will. Yes. I mean, you, um, so you have this sense of, okay, do you have the courage of who I'm going to be? And eventually, uh, the organization that became Courage Worldwide is is founded. Uh, talk to us about that. And then for our listeners who aren't as familiar with what Courage does, can you just share a little bit about kind of your origins and then about what it is that you do? Absolutely. The journey of just this identity journey, we'll call that. Who yeah. am I? What does a child of God mean? It was probably 
a good five-year journey. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was sitting in church and I heard a pastor tell me, I live in a world where children are sold for sex. And it was like, everything made sense. Mm-hmm. So the journey that I'd been on, the searching I'd been on for a purpose, for my destiny, why I'm on this planet, when I heard about that issue, mm-hmm. then it just all went, dang, you're supposed to do something. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just wrestling this out with God when trying to understand that children are sold for sex, that human beings are still sold. Um, I live in the South. I grew up in the shadow of slavery, if you yeah, will, yeah. And, and thinking it's over, it's done. Yeah. And then hearing that we still have people enslaved. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things. You had to know it was the Lord because you can watch the news every yep. night and go, that's, right. that's sad, that's sad, that's sad, that's sad. And when it just wrecks you in a way, it's like, pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. There's and an anointing on it. It just, yeah. Yeah, it for, rings true in your spirit. Just, yeah. Like, I'm, I've am i got to do something. There was no choice in it. I'd already said yes to God. I'm going to be who you created me to be. So now I'm saying yes to this. This is so big for me because I'm hearing that it's mainly females that are being trafficked. Mm-hmm. And I raised three sons. So to say I know nothing about teenage girls. <laughs> Nothing. I don't even know if I liked them, quite honestly. (laughs) They scared me. I know what to do with boys. So this is a big ask is what I want people to understand. I don't know anything about trauma. I don't know anything about mental health. I am not a victim. I I had the most wholesome, beautiful, wonderful parents who still think I'm amazing if I just breathe, Mm -hmm. you know, or bring them a child, grandchild home. I'm the best. So I don't, I can't even relate. Yes. And and I and I said to the Lord, what do I have to offer them? And he said, You have that wholeness. Amen. Because that's what I promised to give them is wholeness. Yeah. And I said, I'm just a mom. And he said, They need a mom. And yeah. I said, I only know how to, to build a home. And he said, They're gonna need some homes. And so every mm-hmm. argument he counterbalanced, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I, we went into this thing going, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Except that I know I'm supposed to do something. Mm-hmm. And um, I just said yes. And I started researching the issue. And I tell people all the time, when something breaks your heart, try to try to know and understand what the issue is. Don't just yeah. go out. Mm-hmm. So I spent two years researching the issue of child sex trafficking or human trafficking globally. And that's kind of how I stumbled and found out it's happening right here in our own backyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then, so you find this out, you get educated on the subject, um, you realize, and and we'll talk about this, how it's happening here in Sacramento, uh, then what? You start... Is, is, this, is this kind of the origins of Courage House? Or I, I don't know. You, you tell me. It's your story. Yeah. No, it's all good. When I, I had to back up just a hair bit, I had started um, the organization as a nonprofit Courage to be you. And that was the name of it based on the question the Lord asked me. Because I figured I wasn't the only Christian out there that wondered if they had any talent or purpose. And I became a life coach and started a nonprofit just to help people find their purpose, mm-hmm. to, to, to help them go on this um, journey of identity and figuring out what does it mean to be a child of God. And what was yeah. so fascinating, my friends in the Bay Area, they didn't really want to go to church and they wanted, didn't really want to hear about sin or Jesus, but they really loved the concept that they were created on purpose for a purpose. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're like, oh, dang, let's talk yeah. about that. You know, and that the God of the universe imagined me and planned me and and plop me down on purpose, and and then I'm more than just a cosmic accident. Like, they all said yes to that. And so that's what I was doing.
doing, when I sat on that pew and heard about the issue of trafficking, I had the nonprofit. So mm-hmm. the foundation was there. Yeah. And then I brought it, the issue to our board and said, I feel like the Lord wants us to build homes. And I just have an amazing board of directors that just believe in crazy, risky faith adventures and said, gosh, this is something that, you know, sounds like the Lord cares about, that, mm-hmm. you know, building homes for children and loving on them that, yeah, yeah. and making, helping them to a journey of wholeness. And so they just said yes. And so I, um, one step at a time, called the police department, literally said, in my best radio voice, this is Jenny Williamson, founder of Courage Worldwide. And do you have a problem with child sex trafficking in our town? They're like, yes, we do. We're having a meeting next week. Would you like to come down? I was like, oh, dang. There you go. I don't, We're even, doing know, this. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. There's a verse in the Bible that says, um, post a guard at my mouth, right? So I told the Lord, why don't you just duct tape mine? <laughs> right. Because I'm like, I'm need more than as a guard. I'm going to go to this meeting and I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to listen. And it was one of those moments you're just sitting there and everyone's talking about the problem and it's a problem and it's a problem and it's a problem right. and it's a problem and it's a problem and I finally just couldn't help it and I just stood up and ripped the duct tape off and said you know what I believe that God's people are going to build this home and we have to because he told us we have to you know out of obedience and so our organization is is going to do that Wow. And they all pretended like I didn't speak, and I sat down and ran to the bathroom and cried. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> it was crazy wow. just wow. saying it out loud. Yeah, like and then, you know, fast forward five years, we had a home and had kids. Wow. Here and Amazing. in Tanzania, Africa. So we decided, why not just test the Lord's power and do it twice do in it two hard places, twice. California and Africa, at the same time. Opposite sides of the world. A- absolutely. Yeah. Now— we keep talking about sex trafficking, and and for those that are educated about the issue, they maybe have some some understanding of, of what we're talking about. But there are certain, there are a lot of people that they may be hearing about this for the first time. I mean, what what is sex trafficking, and and how does it how does it work? How do how do young women get caught up in it? Yeah, it comes under the umbrella of human trafficking, and and the reason we pull out the sex trafficking part is because there's a there's also a huge labor trafficking um, issue in our world where humans mm-hmm. are sold for labor. Mm-hmm. Um, but we felt like this particular issue because here in the Sacramento region, law enforcement told us that was an issue and a problem, and the same in where we were in Tanzania, Africa, mm-hmm. and so it was a very specific need in the area that we found ourselves in. And and for the um, most domestically here in the United States and here in the Sacramento region, it's our vulnerable youth. So whether that's poverty, our foster kids, um, that's the majority of the children that are being trafficked. So let me set it up. If, if you take a child, mm-hmm. so you have a young girl um, was hurt, abused in her home and her family. So the very people that are supposed to care for you and protect you failed at your job. So you grow up believing that love and violence are are the same ticket. Mm, That's distorted. Normal. Mm -hmm. So this kid, this is normal. Because if you start with sex trafficking, we all have a hard time like getting what 15-year-old kid wants to go out and be sold for sex. Is it a kidnapping? But you have to start with this kid who has a vulnerability. And that vulnerability has been domestic violence, probably Mm -hmm. sexual abuse. Um, 90% of the the young women we come in contact with that have been trafficked were sexually abused at a very young age. And so all this has become normal in their world, which is so hard for all of the rest of us to understand. So at some point in time in her life, CPS has probably intervened 
and now has removed her from her family. And we all go, yay. But she didn't say yay. Hmm. You, she was removed from her family. Mm-hmm. There's not many kids that are happy, even if they're abused, mm-hmm. to be taken away with their family. Again, hard for us to understand. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So no one's cheering for that. So this kid's already got trauma going on in her life, and now she's put in foster homes. And in foster homes, foster parents are not prepared for children with trauma. Hmm. I know that because I am a foster parent, and I've taken the training. Mm -hmm. And I was not prepared for what that's going to look like Mm -hmm. when you bring a highly traumatized child in your home. Somehow it's like we talked about being inoculated in the church, we think, oh, look, we're going to rescue these kids and they're going to come in our home and they're going to be so happy with whatever we give them. And they're not. They're mad. Yes. They're hurt. They're upset. The world has has done them wrong. Absolutely. And now they've been removed from their parents who love them madly and we think their parents are awful and they don't. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so all of a sudden you have this very, very vulnerable kid put in a very difficult situation and she runs. So whether she's running from the foster home or whether she's running for the violent home, she's she's running away from something. Mm-hmm. But what happens on the street is there are predators mm-hmm. that are out on the street waiting for that vulnerable kid. Mm-hmm. And this predator knows where they are. They're in the malls. They're on social media. Because, you know, our kids live their life on social media now, <laughs> right. right? I'm out of here. I'm mad at my mom. I'm out yep. of this foster family. And I'm going to the mall. I mean, it's almost like they send out a bulletin yeah. on where to find you. And these guys know how to pray on the vulnerable. There's a book. It's called Pimpin' Ken. It's a rule book. It's a Bible on how to do this. It's sick. Please don't buy it. It's on Amazon. But I had no idea how organized, organized crime, like, duh, this all is Mm -hmm. to prey on our children. And so in other parts of the country, there's different dynamics, like is it poverty or there's no government assistance or support or there's all different reasons that a kid or a woman um, or a man, because yes, it has happened in males, Mm -hmm. gets into a vulnerable position and then someone preys upon them. Yeah. Wow. Now, what you've you've kind of addressed a few of these, even in even in providing that that context and that definition, but what are some, maybe some misconceptions or misunderstandings that the population at large might have about sex trafficking? And I can't believe that we're still talking about this because I thought everybody was educated on it now and they just aren't. They just aren't. No, they just aren't. In fact, a very real story just happened last week. One of our young women is attending um, a local junior college. I'll just say that. And her sociology professor said that prostitution was a choice and it did not matter what age you were. Mm-hmm. It's a college professor one week ago. What's wrong with that sentence is it's against the law mm-hmm. to traffic, prostitute anyone under the age of 18. So what does mm-hmm. that mean? You, there's no such thing as a child prostitute. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what we grew up with. Child prostitutes, juvenile delinquents, send them to juvenile hall. Well, our laws changed 18 years ago now, and I I can't believe we still haven't got it, that it's against the law. So you could have a 15-year-old who, if she did wake up and say, I think that it would be a lovely choice of um, occupation to be a prostitute. She is a victim of human trafficking. Because of all that I just told you guys about this vulnerable kid, we as a society have finally recognized if you take somebody who's had that much trauma, 
that there's brain development issues. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. emotional issues. They're not going to make a healthy choice for themselves nope. nine times out of ten, whether that's taking drugs mm-hmm. or, or whether that's getting involved with somebody that they so-called love mm-hmm. and it's their boyfriend and they're going to allow him to sell her body. Mm-hmm. And I think as a culture, that's the hardest concept for us to wrap our brain around is that the majority of these kids are not kidnapped. Right. They're with this guy who is selling love. Mm -hmm. He's preying on her vulnerabilities. He is putting a roof over her head. Mm -hmm. He's giving her food, Mm -hmm. getting her fingernails done. Yep. So what she endured with her family isn't a whole lot different than what he's offering, but she's getting some perks. Wow. And so he's manipulating all that. You know, um, a horrible combination is that you have someone that has something that the church has almost deified, which is purity, which is a, it's a little odd how sometimes we talk about it. Um, but once, if that is wrecked and that is not held as a, as a good thing or a standard or it's been distorted or destroyed, you now have sex being just a thing matched together with economy. So now you have people that want to make money and they can then talk someone into saying, listen, you have the ability to make us money. So let's utilize what you have so we can make more money. And it, this is going to sound so odd. That makes her feel good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, she has a purpose. She has a purpose. Yeah, and that's the distortion. It, I mean, that's yes. the whole satanic element to yes. this, which is distorting where she's saying, listen, before I felt like I was a victim of something. Now I feel empowered that I'm the one controlling my own destiny. Ding, ding, ding. That's where you get dancers as well. So, for example, in a lot of the, the strip clubs, the idea is very much push for power. You would think that um, the, the the concept of a, of a strip club atmosphere would be, oh, they feel beat down. and No, the majority of the promotion to the ladies is own your own destiny. Utilize your sexuality. Take advantage of the situation. Make some cash. You can make a life for yourself. You know, it is, it's getting so distorted. It's getting worse. I'm going to take it one step further. In this world, of, as a woman, I have a right to do anything with my body. And we're talking about, you know, children mm-hmm. and pregnancies. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is fast becoming a conversation in the United States with a lot of money behind it of I have a right to sell my body for sex and I should have that as a occupation with yes. health insurance yes. and celebrated and it's going under the guise of it's my body mm-hmm. and I should feel good enough about it that I should be able to do this. Right. And that's scary. Yeah, that's very well, scary. Because and, and once again there's a there's a whole bunch of platforms that are that are supporting these ideas that have to be a bit more dismantled and there's a reason why they happen. Um, but I think that when you're talking about misconceptions, we have this idea that it's somehow like the ABC specials when we grew up in the eighties <laughs> where um, the, the nice little girl's going to school and somebody pulls up in a van and opens the door and grabs them. And then they say, well, we got to storm in and go get them back while they're all, you know, they're waiting there for the police to burst in. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that a lot of time the police burst in and then she goes right back to it. 
And then someone comes to rescue and she goes right back to it. Why? Because that trauma and her mindset and the foundation is so distorted. It's why you were saying there's a reason why we don't allow someone under 18 to make certain decisions because they will make a self-destructive decision. Mm -hmm. And because they're not at a formulation place in their brain to be able to watch for themselves, we are saying as a society, we're going to keep you safe. Yes. So regardless of what you want to do, we know what you ought to do. And yes. we're going to try to empower that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to your point, Lance, how, how it's, how it's not this like, okay, yeah. everything's, everything's fine. And all of a sudden there's a, there's one incident and now this you know person is a victim. I mean, I'm, I would imagine that does happen. That does happen. It's just a very small percentage. It's a very small percentage, but that the, the majority of cases, it, it truly is a systemic issue yes. where mm. a lifetime of, of abuse, of being in difficult situations, yeah. a lifetime uh, leads up to a situation where now they're in a in a trafficking yeah. type scenario that it's not this isolated well everything was fine and then and 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 yeah you're right that there is so much that is that is broken down by trauma that it's not this oh thank goodness i've been i've been rescued thing all, all the time yeah. yeah there's not a lot of not a lot of yeah. thankfulness all the time let well, me let me add one more thing and um there's a, a slightly um uh, different nuance w wherever you go in the world in this. So mm -hmm. the elements that you work here and the elements that you work in Tanzania are going to be different because of cultural Correct. support. So for example, we were talking, uh, I should say we, we weren't talking. Sorry, Brian, <laughs> you don't live with me. I was talking, I've been stuck in this studio for two, <laughs> two weeks. weeks. Um, so anyway, I was talking uh, with one of our missionary leaders that takes one of our missions down to uh, areas in Mexico that are really, really rough, really, really poor. And at first they said, when we first went down there and engaged with those people, and we found out they were selling their children. We were horrified. We were angry and we wanted someone to pay. The more times they kept going down there, they began to see the pattern. And what the pattern was is they said, actually, our entire town does this. This is how we do things. And we all did it growing up. And it's actually part of how we maintain our economy. There's no moral judgment on it. And this is our only way. If you remove this, we have no way to get food. So I appreciate you coming in with your morality and coming in and telling us what we ought to do, but you have no way to replace our income. And yeah. so we could very well all just die. Is that what you want? You know, and all of a sudden this yes. whole mind bending concept comes in because yes. we think it's just about rescue. And once they're out, everything's fine. That is not true. Yeah. It is significant, not true. Significant economic implications of all of this and even just yeah livelihood and this is how we survive and yeah, yeah it's and not it's a it's a responsibility put on the child right so you come in and quote unquote rescue them then they're again we think your family is awful because they're selling you but they feel responsible for that family yes, member yeah. you don't know any, any different that's right. Yeah. And then how is my family going to eat? And it's just a, it's a super complex issue. Yes. Yeah. And now, you know, I'm, I'm going to make fun of us because we're all Christians. And now the church gets involved and we try to simplify it yep. with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, hey, pray it away. <laughs> it's all good. And then yeah. when it doesn't like clean itself up really quickly, yep. do you notice how quiet the issue gets? And we're we're already seeing this in sex trafficking. I mean, this 10-year journey I've been on, yeah. about year five, it was like an outcry yep. in this town. It was on TV and we had press conferences and everything. 
I haven't seen anything on nope. the news or I mean it's yeah. gotten quiet. It is a messy situation and it gets messier when we talk about why it can function. Yes. Because that's the trippy part. You 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 get to understand the kid. And just what your questions was, why why do they do this? I think we kind of broke that down. Mm-hmm. They've already been traumatized. They're really in a survival mode. Right. And there's somebody out there willing to help them. And in some weird way, this gives them a purpose. So yes. that's great. Mm-hmm. So then I got to the middle like section of, well, who's the guy selling them? Because in the United States, our laws have changed. Where, I mean, we, we changed it from pimping and pandering to trafficking. And what that means is... Is instead of two or three years going to jail, you're going to jail for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and we all stand up and cheer. Yay. Mm-hmm. But then you guys think about that a minute. This guy is the commodity broker, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. He's the businessman. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like drugs. If no one was buying drugs, then there's no drug dealer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You got to have a market. So then when you walk through this issue of trafficking, you end up with, okay, are you telling me here in the United States, in our little backyard of Sacramento, we don't live in L.A. or New York. We live in our little town that there's a great demand for a 12 and 13 year old little girl. That was a question I asked the FBI. Who is the evil human being? that's buying these kids. And she said, your husband. I was like, excuse me? (laughs) Yep. She's like, demographically speaking. That's right. What we have found is that this man is Caucasian, married, white collar job, Mm -hmm. has children, wait for it, and goes to church on Sunday. Wow. Yep. Middle age. Wow. And that's back to this cultural mindset. So then I go, okay, as somebody, a woman who's married to her husband, madly love my husband, and I raised three boys who've struggled with our whole culture and porn and, I mean, just knowing how to raise boys into honoring women and all this Me Too and what we've seen on the news, like how do I even protect my sons and understanding that's not an evil person, so who is it? Okay, I can't do anything about true evil, and I can't do anything about pedophiles. But we're not even talking about pedophiles here. We're talking about 13, 14, 15-year-old girls, okay? So so does that mean is there a large opportunity to educate our men? Because that is what the cultural—that's what's happened culturally. We have told men over and over, this young woman wants this. She's in the strip club because she wants to be there. Yep. And she's prostituting because she wants to be there. If you ask her, she'll say, yes, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. So then our men, our good men are going, wait, she, she wants to be. Yeah. And so the lie is it's a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. Now, as I told the FBI agent, my marriage, there's something bad wrong if my husband on the way to work or on the way home from work is stopping off buying a prostitute. Like, we got problems. That's a, that's a, that's <laughs> a problem. Like, I mean, that's really, yeah, that's you know, that, that's, not good. that's like, because I said, why aren't you arresting them? And she said, we don't want to break up families. Not arresting the individual buying yes. because they don't want to break up families, yeah. meaning the family is family at home. He's yeah. just a nice guy. He's, you know, wow. he's, he's a nice guy. Well, I think also you just have to look at the sheer stats of going, okay, so you bust him. Because ultimately, how long, where are you going to hold him? And then yeah. that doesn't solve the problem. So they start going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now it's like where you're running around chasing. Yes. And mm-hmm. you're going, it's still not stopping the problem. Well, right. and, and law enforcement, what they told me was, you can put the trafficker away. 
for 20 or 30 years. I mean, that's what they want to do. They want to put this bad guy away. So in this equation, the bad guy is the guy that has five and six of these girls who's making a million dollars a year off her body. That's that's who we have in culture has deemed the bad guy. And the guy that's the nice guy that goes to church on Sunday, Mm -hmm. he's not really that bad. He's just making a bad choice. So we're just going to shoo him home and hopefully he's scared. But our laws won't put him away. So Mm -hmm. he gets a slap on the wrist and then it takes you law enforcement prosecutors the same amount of time to funnel him through the system who at the end of the day he's going home with a slap on the wrist where this other guy they can put away. So until the laws are changed where we put a high price on buying on the demand side, you know, then that's like saying me as a drug user, they don't want me, they want the drug dealer. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're not addressing demand right. and, and what causes demand. Well, our culture is just full of demand. So right. I, I have a passion for I'm going to do a men's retreat next year. I'm so excited. I love talking. Awesome. I awesome. love talking to men because mm-hmm. my generation of women, I start off apologizing to men and saying, I am sorry. I am sorry because women my age, we were we told you we didn't need you. We said we can bring home the bacon fried up in the pan, and I don't need you to protect me and protect myself. And so we push men away from talking about God identity of being protectors and, and, and pushed you into being perpetrators. And I'm saying we need our men to come back and be the protector of these children. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as much as I can tell the story of this traumatized child, I believe that we can educate many men in the church and in our culture that this child doesn't want it, that she's not here by choice. And even if she wants it, she shouldn't. Right. Absolutely. Right. And that you and need you to be her protector. you can't take advantage of that. Right. But that's an because but we're not hearing that message. Right. Our culture is saying a different message. And yes. so so all we can be responsible for and what God's calling us to be responsible for is our men and our sons and our husbands yeah. is this message and having an open dialogue about the issues of sexuality that for the longest time in the church we don't want to talk about. Exactly. Right. You talk about uh you, you said I want to go back to this, the this idea of kind of criminalizing the the demand side of things, because that's yeah. that's interesting to me. You said a minute ago that that law enforcement said, "Oh well, we don't criminalize it more because we don't want to break up families." I mean that 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 just seems very sort of thin to me. I don't that doesn't strike me as very compelling. Like it would seem they to th- me they they think it's a waste of resources, right? Yeah. I mean, I get that. Yes. It's it would seem to me that because sex trafficking has been such a big issue, that there would be grassroots demand for greater accountability for for the perpetrators who are who are you know, going out and buying these these young women. Why do you think it is that we haven't been able to see more movement on that front? Because I agree with you. But like, clearly, I think on some level, if, we're, if this is going to stop, then your middle-aged, white, church-going guy needs to know that he's committing a serious crime with serious consequences. I don't know. Like, what do you, you know, what? I'm on radio. I'm sitting over here smiling, so you can't see yeah. me. But I'm like, well, I asked that question, too. Um Two, I kind of in the story I haven't really gotten into. Lance actually knows, but I our family adopted two girls who have a history of, of trafficking, not legally mm-hmm. adopted, but just into our hearts and into our home, yeah. part of their part of their journey. And so both of them are are very gracious in my um 
need to ask questions. I think the reason God called me to this, I don't have the gift of mercy. I don't get wrapped up in people's pain. Right. I'm your coach going, okay, but you're not in pain now, so what are we going to do today, right? I mean, that's who I am. But I need to break things down in my head like you're just doing. How does this happen and what, you know? And so I've asked all these questions. And, and the bottom line is this guy that we're talking about that we need to show him, we need to criminalize this. We're back to it's my son's, my husband, it's you guys. I mean, yep. So I, I'm on the education bandwagon because mm-hmm. I don't want them all going to jail. But I'm smiling going, you're saying, why isn't there a grassroots movement? Why aren't we demanding this? This group of people who create the demand are powerful people Yeah. in our society. Yeah. My daughters and all the girls have come to Kurt's house, and I call them daughters, have said that they've been purchased by every denomination of pastor. Mm-hmm. Wow. From the Catholic priest to the Southern Baptist and all in between. And every profession, Mm -hmm. doctor, dentist, lawyer, law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So when you say why, because the demand, the people who are buying don't want the laws to change. That's why there's this undercurrent of movement to legalize this in our country as it is in Nevada. And to make it a acceptable profession well who wants that the men who are buying it mm-hmm. and then you're tapping into the ego and the self-esteem or the low self-esteem and then you have this buy-in from what they would call the sex worker mm-hmm. and i don't know how to change any of that except this group of people that i believe would stop because of education. I know my own sons, after knowing my daughters personally, knowing they were filmed in porn at five years old, I don't have to talk to them about Jesus or God or sin or anything. They just know now somebody who was used in porn, who at the age of five had to say, I want this. Mm-hmm. And they would never look at porn because yeah. of that. Yeah. So that is what I believe that when we start having this open dialogue, sexuality, mm-hmm. not from a shame-based, mm-hmm. but understanding it. And, and then, Pastor, the other thing that's going to happen when we do this, you're going to realize you have a church full of traumatized people. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, wherever I go speak in a church, we all thought in the beginning at Courage, we were talking about those kids oh, yeah. out, there, out there. And nope. we did it at Bridgeway, and I got a line of 100 people. Oh, yeah. Telling me their story, I had a granddaughter, a daughter, and a mom, 70-something years old, and 70-something year old mom's telling me this happened to her, and she's never told anybody. Yep. Yeah. And so then we were so unprepared. It was like we we walked in the door and ripped open people's scars, yeah. and we had nothing for them. Yes. Wow. And and that's the other thing that I have been, it's just a passion in my heart as I've walked this journey. This is not something that is healed quickly. No. This is not a prayer that is prayed. And I think the church has come to accept that about addiction. We hear the miracle yes. stories. We right. hear the miracle stories where somebody says, the Lord healed me addiction. Yep. I never went to a meeting. I never did any. But that's not common. That's a very mm-hmm. small percentage. It yeah. is. Because it's dealing with the brain and the yeah. way that God made our brains. And it was never meant to have that drug. Nope. It's the same thing as trauma. Our brains were never meant to experience or see this kind of evil. And I felt like when I was asking the Lord, why is this taking so long? Is it my faith? I mean, I, mean, I feel like I could pray for a blind person. They would see. I mean, I, I believe mm-hmm. that. 
But in praying for trauma victims, you don't see that result. And I feel like the Lord said to me, Jenny, it's not a disease. It's Mm. memories. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got somebody who's had 15 years, just say a 15-year-old, who's had daily violence, daily trauma, you're not going to get an instantaneous. They have no bank to go to. Yeah. In their brain, in their heart, in their spirit, in their emotions, Yeah, their there is psyche. no good place to go back to. None. Right. And so this is such a journey, and I think that's where we, as Christians in the church, fail our trauma victims, is we somehow are sending this message, if you have a f- enough faith, then you'll be whole. Yes. And it'll all be mm-hmm. fine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so then they feel like... I didn't do it right, or yeah. I don't believe enough, because we as Christians don't get in there and wrestle out these messy issues, you know, that if the Lord chooses, or it might look like this for one, or this is hard, and it's yep. lonely, and it's it, we don't have these quick fix answers for our, our trauma victims, so instead we just don't say anything. God has got a process, and I think it's, mm-hmm. an, it's a lack of appreciation for process, is he said, you know, hon, this... This took years to work in. It's going to take years to work out. And it's and the whole thing is messy. Yes. You know, um, yesterday um, I ended up posting. And when you listen to this, this is not yesterday. Just letting you know uh, (laughs) when you listen to this. But um, I ended up posting out on Facebook just God does mess. I I don't think the church does mess as well as God does mess. Um, I, you know, when we look in the Bible, one of the mistakes that we make is that we read the Bible as if that's the whole story and it's just a highlight reel. So for example, you go, and then this guy sinned, but it's all good now. And that was three verses apart. Well, you don't realize (laughs) that was a long, long time between there. And God is okay walking the slow walk of true transformation but we have, as a church, really bought into the speed culture of if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. So yeah. we don't have any appreciation for difficulty and processing. And and I went two steps forward and one step back, or I went three steps back because getting from here to healthy is not a straight line. It's all squiggly and weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that – so I just want to encourage if any of you um, listeners uh, or viewers are – are saying, man, how come I'm not better than I am right now? I I just want to encourage you. Life is really, really messy. And just because all the books and all the movies and everything wrap up within an hour or two and everything's cool, that's not real life. And God can walk it with you. Even when people give up on you, Mm -hmm. God is still walking with you. Yeah. Well, and I think Mm -hmm. these, these, we, we in the church, we like to celebrate these instantaneous transformation stories and they do happen as is, as has been, Absolutely. been shared, you know, different Absolutely. addiction things and healing and all that. Like yes. it does, it does happen. And we, yes. we are right to celebrate that and to praise yes. God for it. Um, however, it's sort of like, um, this is a dumb analogy, but once I was about to go on a hike in the Grand Canyon and someone sent me an article about somebody falling to their death in the Grand Canyon. And I said, and I wrote back to him and said, there's a reason why this is news. And I said, the reason why it's news is because it almost never happens. Right. <laughs> and, right. And I said, there, and I think, you know, part of the reason we celebrate the miraculous story, well, not even miraculous because it's all miraculous, but part of the reason why we celebrate the short and the instantaneous is it's exciting. I mean, it's just, it's exciting. You know, it's yeah. like, wow, look what happened right here. But then also, if it was happening all the time, I don't think we'd celebrate it as much because it would be normal. By nature, we don't celebrate yeah. things that happen all. We celebrate your birthday why? Because it's once a year. Yeah. Right. 
So, so I think what, what trauma victims who are spending their life working this stuff out for, for, for those of us who have baggage that we're sitting here saying, man, we see the great story and I'm over here going, that's not me. Like I need, that's not me person to know that like, that's all of us. Like we're all sort of in that place and different. And that's, that's real life. And like you said, Lance, God is a God of process that God works us through that. That doesn't play as well on a stage that doesn't play as well when we're kind of trying to create a moment, but that is reality more often than not. With the church and nonprofits, it's so hard because, you know, there's an inherent in the church and in nonprofits, you have to raise money for what you're doing. We ask for the offering. We ask for this. So the first question that you're asked is, how many people did you have attend last Sunday? And what percentage (laughs) was your growth over last year? And how many, how many, how many, how many? And then we give to the bigger. And as a nonprofit, you know, we want to say how many, how many lives have been transformed. And, And you're talking about this this isn't like a graduation program. You're not right. checking in and checking out in three months, but that's what people want to hear. Yes. Yeah. They're fine. They're well. It's like I don't have to think about it anymore. It's done. Check. And and there's these grandiose numbers. And that and that's what I feel like in the church or the kids that and young women at Courage is that there's an expectation that you're supposed to be well by now. Like you're supposed yeah. to you attended how many Bible studies? I mean, how many Sunday school? I mean, how many mission trips you've been on? And that you shouldn't have mess. Right. But that's that way that I was raised in the church is to clean everything up and come to church on Sunday and don't let anybody know about your mess. It's like we give God a bad reputation if we're all not fixed, healed, and hold. Like maybe God is not powerful if I have not got all my stuff together. And I I do think we are so much better at that as Christians. Mm -hmm. And I think pastors like you and other pastors in our region are modeling that from a stage Mm -hmm. when you are vulnerable with us and you you tell how you messed up parenting or how you're not a great husband or how you've done it wrong. And I know this church has done that. And I admire this church for doing that. It makes the rest of us go, oh, it's not God. (laughs) It's just me. It's just me. It's It's my flesh or my temptation or my battle. But we don't don't quit. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And we we don't stop. That's and good. God is still God. And and I love what you said about the processes. And, and I tell people all the time, man, you look in the Bible, God used slaves that weren't set free. Oh yeah. To change cultures. Oh yeah. Where he was. Yeah. And yes. they were. And it's just we we've got to just shake off this mentality in the Christian culture. Yeah. That we have all the answers, and and I it's one of the things when we train people as our volunteers. I make everybody stand up, kind of like the AA meeting, and I say, I want you to practice with me and say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one died. No yeah. one had a heart attack. Yeah. Let's say it all together again. I don't know because yeah. wow. that's when a kid comes to you and you're selling an all powerful, all loving God, and this kid all singing. Yep. And this kid looks at you and go, oh, well, was he sitting in the corner watching while I was getting raped every day? Yep. Most Christian volunteers run out the door. Yep. Because they can't answer the question. They can't answer. So then they're like, did God fail? Is our faith? I mean, it just messes with you. And to get comfortable being in people's mess without answers. Yes. That's a trippy place for our church folks. 
let me let me ask you a question because I think this is a beautiful transition. So, um, a lot of people will assume that in order to have a cool, sexy God story, it everything went super cool for Courage. And so, hey, you know what? I was sitting in church. He finally got my heart. I finally broke for him, and he was like, "Hey, this stuff breaks my heart out in society." And he went, "I'm gonna start." Courage worldwide, boom, we're in Tanzania, we're here, kids are getting rescued and saved. And then I go on your website and it says, we will be reopening. We have now had these violations. We had this challenge. Okay, you want to talk about mess? Mm -hmm. Ministry is super messy. Can you just clue us in a little bit on, because when we were talking about the complicated nature of the victims, the complicated nature of the system, the complicated nature of the perpetrator, everything's complicated. And so ministry, how in the world do you walk into complicated life and not have complicated mystery? Uh, excuse me, ministry. Whoa. Yeah. It's a mystery. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, there you go. I answered my own question. Um, but, but catch us up on that because yeah. it has been super messy for you. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing when when I alluded to earlier is that no one prepared me and I don't hear a lot of sermons. So you've said yes to God. Your head might get chopped off. I would love to come <laughs> right. and preach that sermon at Bridgeway anytime Amen, you want me to. <laughs> I mean, you say we don't tell people that. We tell you God is going to ambush your enemies because that's biblical. Yeah. And yeah. he has. And he has. And he has. And God is going to, you know, multiply the loaves and the fish. So that Mm -hmm. means your $5 donation is really going to look like $50,000. And they're all biblical stories. And you're like, okay, I got over my fear and I am running out here acting like the crazy woman in town. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody walks up and takes a two by four and hits you inside the head. And you are reeling going, we didn't do anything wrong, but nope. everything went wrong. Yes. Yeah. We're the good guys. Yeah. It should go well. Like, wh- yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're helping kids. Yes. And it's just super confusing. So for our particular situation, when we open the home for minors in California, there's a very specific license. Mm-hmm. And there was this welcoming, please, please, please open the home with people in government yes. and law enforcement. And notice I said people, because that's the key word here is mm-hmm. People, people change, people move, oh, yeah. people, things happen with people. Yeah. And so the the culture in California has changed in that we're not going to parent our foster kids anymore. We're going to empower them. And so the very law that was put in place saying a 15-year-old can't make a decision whether mm-hmm. they want to prostitute themselves, we are going to have that same 15-year-old decide whether they want to have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Which in the trafficking world, the cell phone is where all the business is done. That's your advertising. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's your marketing piece. Mm -hmm. Everything happens on the cell phone. So it'd be the same thing as if a kid came into Kurt's house and said, but it's my gun. My dad gave it to me. You'd be Mm -hmm. like, of course you can't have a gun here or Mm -hmm. a knife. But the cell phone was. So the cell phone also has GPS tracking, which when a trafficker Mm -hmm. is going to jail, he will send people to try to hurt this kid. We've had kids under witness protection Mm -hmm. if they were testifying. So it became a safety issue. And um, typically when you are a licensed home in California, people play it really quiet and just take what um, regulations come down so they keep their funding. And we kind of aren't those people. Mm. Just kind. Just kind (laughs) of. 
And one of the big things that was happening is they wanted to move children out of group home care and put them with families, which I I hear you. We would all agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. Do children need a home and a family? Yes. Of course. As opposed to being in a group home situation. Sure. The problem is we've talked about this kid and this victim, their behavioral issues, their trauma. It's difficult to integrate a kid straight off the street who's been in a criminal world. Don't forget this issue of trafficking is criminal. They've been taught to lie, to cheat, to steal. Just because you're a victim doesn't mean you're a good, you've been taught to be a good person. Right. right. There you go. And so the state is wanting to put kids straight into homes. And because I have had kids in my home and have had death threats and family members recruited, I'm passionate about not coming to our good church folk and Mm -hmm. guilting you into taking a kid into your home until we get some stabilization. Yep. So we became very vocal about that. We don't let children listen to the music they wanted to because there's music that glorifies pimping Mm -hmm. and prostitution. So we said, you can't listen to that. You can't watch movies. So we got written up for all that. Not letting the kids have cell phones, not letting them watch whatever they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Short of pornographic, um, they should be able to listen to, watch whatever they want to. And so we stood up. And our board prayed through all this. Mm-hmm. And we're a long-term program because our mental health professional says this is going to take a long time, like we've mm-hmm. been talking about. Yeah. So we stood up as a board and we said there's well, there's one or two things that's going to happen. We have to conform to the state regulations and then we won't have the program and successes that we've had, mm-hmm. but we'll get to stay open. Right. Mm. Or, or we can say we're a Christian program because we can't um, – um, force anybody to go to church. I agree with that. I couldn't force, I could force my five-year-old, but I could not force my 17-year-old to go right. to church. So I was actually okay with that. Yeah. But there was still a culture yeah. of Christianity and God's love. Yep. It's why we were here and what yes. we believe would change these kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And um, we were told that kids could have a freedom of worship. And that meant Satan worship. That meant, you know, if you wanted to war- worship anything. Mm-hmm. And there were some dangerous practices in some cults yeah. that we said no to. And so then we were in violation. Yep. So as a board, we just said, you know what? We can't do this. Yep. So we're going to say no. Yep. And we're going to change our age group here in California to over 18. Mm-hmm. And so now we're not licensed by the state. Mm-hmm. We have a home full of over 18s and their children. Mm-hmm. But we now don't have to... Um, come under those regulations, but then we don't have any of the state funding. I find that so funny. You said God's mess. It's a story in the Bible about Ezra when he's building the temple mm-hmm. and the government shut him down yep. and it was paused for 17 years. Yep. The work. 17 years. And you know what happened? New people came in government. Yes. And then they restarted. So yes. I feel like there's just saying. Just saying. Yeah. But no, it's the and then and then you end up on the front page of the newspaper yep. looking like an extremist. Yes. And you just said our Bible, God's calling us to that extremism, and that does not get you good publicity. Mm-mm. And we're seeing that played out on a national stage too. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's a difficult um reality when you believe that you're doing what God's called you to do when you come up against this but then you go to your Bible and you see the same stories yeah, sure. but we skip through the stories we them. and the ending is so good and we can't figure out why our ending is like right now not today and please understand I, I am being super transparent this yeah. is a difficult oh, brutal difficult season but I know that I know that I know my enemy is not flesh and blood. That's right. Yeah. 
And when you go through that identity piece that we talked about earlier in this broadcast of who are we as children of God, mm-hmm. what it means, it's it's all there. Everything I'm going through, Jesus went through. Yep. So he didn't get to skip it. I'm not going to skip it. You're not going to skip it. We're not going to skip it mm-hmm. if we're doing what he's called us to do. And so not quitting is so in my DNA because I made that decision before yeah. until God says you're done. Right. I will not be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, I hear you. I I, I think that perhaps the most maddening thing, and I'll just, uh, Pastor Brian, have you kind of direct us towards as we close, but I think the most maddening thing is people would come at you and say, you know, how dare you? And you go, I'm here to help people. I was sitting there like the rest of you doing nothing. Yeah. I got off my couch and it I was said, super comfortable doing super nothing. Comfortable. <laughs> and I felt the call of God to go help help people that are hurting. And now you're telling me I can't help. This is kind of why it's really complicated, y'all. And it's maddening that you go, I'm the good guy. Stop attacking me. <laughs> we have plenty of bad guys you can attack if you'd like. I'm a good guy. So I, I think the idea of... Why doesn't everybody understand me, my heart, what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to do, the ministry? Why are you getting so on my case when the need is so great? So anyway, I just wanted to say everything that's in your own heart. (laughs) Well, you said it's news. Yeah. Yeah. You said your silly story about the Grand Canyon. The news is bigger. Yes. And I think the... We're back to culturally yes. where we are in California. I, when I go home to Mississippi, it's a different world. Very different world. It really is. And they, they, our culture, wants to see this fall from grace as Christians, mm-hmm. like saying, your God's not that big. Yes. It's what mm-hmm. they're really saying. It's, oh, yeah. you go out there saying, God told you, but look, right. look. Mm-hmm. And there's there's really, it's a campaign to say there's no God. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying to the Lord all the time, hey, it's your reputation on the line. Because right. I go back to doing nothing. <laughs> I mean, right. sitting on my couch, playing with my kids, playing a little tennis, cheering for some football teams. I mean, I could go back. I could go back if you release me, but it's your reputation. And that's really what, again, in preparing the church is that we have God's name on our back and we're stepping out in faith saying, I'm doing this because God called me to do this. But so how do we react when things go bad? How do we react? And Jesus set that model for us in not defending ourselves and letting him be our defender, which is super hard. Yep. It is it is remarkable to me, and then we'll get just last couple questions here, and we'll we'll wrap. It is remarkable to me how many of these episodes we've done here in the studio. I've done a few little side interviews with different guests that, who have come out and spoken in different things. How often the conversation at one point or another turns to dealing with critics mm. and dealing with opposition and dealing with, okay, I'm trying to make a positive difference <laughs> and I feel like I'm getting shot at from every side. I mean, all three of us in this room have experienced that to varying degrees at various, various times. And so many of our guests have experienced that as well. Now, is there legitimate criticism where we make a mistake yes. and we're like, oh man, I need, to, I need to fix that or I need to get better in this area? Sure there is, but... I mean, you talk about the enemy is not flesh and blood. I mean, that's really true. It's like if you don't want to be a target for the enemy, just keep sitting on your couch playing your tennis and cheering mm-hmm. on your football teams. And enemy's like, no, you're you're good. You're not really a threat. I don't need to worry about you too much. But if you want to make a difference, yeah. I mean, any one of us has to understand 
there's there's mess that comes with that as we've spent this last hour discussing and and there's a real enemy who well, you know, wants and to I, stop I that. I think that's, that's right. a harder sale for pastors, right? It's a harder yeah. sale. Well, I can't even get them off the couch. And then once you get them off the couch, <laughs> you, you tell, tell them, them get oh, brutal. Right. You're going to get punched you in the stomach. Right. Then they're, yeah. They're, yeah. No, but right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but we're, but we're saying when, when the church gets persecuted, it gets smaller, but it gets more effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just this, I think the life changing message is how we started at is that if you really identify as a child of God and what does that yeah. really mean? Yeah. And, and that we all have been placed here to change culture, to affect culture. That's right. And we're going to get shot at. But if there's a bigger, if there's a bigger mission, and I, I think we look to our military, that's what they're selling. You're going to war. I mean, when you sign up, you could die. I mean, they're pretty good. And look, they still got people joining. People we still, still we up. still got because they want to be yeah. a part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. And even the danger can be, you know, you're going to get shot at. Like this isn't easy. I still would have said yes. Yeah. To participate and partner with God in, in changing but lives. But that's because you heard from God. That's that yeah. you didn't respond out of guilt. Because no. if you responded out Amen. of guilt, you would have caved. Yeah. If you respond out of fear, you would have caved. Or emotion. Yeah. Or emotion, you would have caved. It's you heard from God. Yeah. That is the message right now because people, and especially in the church, are like, well, I can open a home. That doesn't sound like a big deal. I want to open a home. And I got all these conferences and help people open homes for victims of sex trafficking. And I say, number one, number one, you should just stop right now and go get you a group of people and you should pray and figure out, has God called you to open a home? That's the first question. Yeah. And if you go, no, I just heard there was a need, you won't make it. there's a difference in God says open a home or go to this place or start this church or that is that is so pure obedience where you're so dependent on God because you're like I didn't think this thing up I didn't even want to do this but just doing it that is so profound guilt emotion I got an empty bedroom and these kids need some so I should let them in my house no don't do it but I mean it's the same reason why I'm still in ministry right God told me to. Yes. If I had another choice, I'd be doing something <laughs> else. Yeah. yeah, you know. But nope, this is what my Jesus made me for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I mean, man, it gives us a whole other thing about being attentive to the voice of God, so that we know what He's called us to do. But well, uh, that's that can, another that's you, another podcast for another. Well, day. you can end up on the front page of the newspaper. It's crazy when you say you hear from God. There, Just that's, saying. That's, that is true. <laughs> so tell us real quick as we we begin to close this out, Jenny. Sure. Uh, what's next for Curls Worldwide? What are you, What are you working on right now? Well, we are expanding in Tanzania. We had a church in Southern California that literally bought us five acres of land that already had two buildings on it. We had 20-something kids. Their pastor brought a team out and said, church, they need a bigger space. They can have 50 kids. Let's buy them some land. And they did. And we are moving and transitioning kids over there and would love to have people come and volunteer. There's a a volunteer packet on our website Mm -hmm. about coming to Tanzania. Africa is one of the most life-changing places on this planet. And what I mean by that is for a people in poverty and who have nothing, they're the happiest people I've ever met. There's some places you go and you're like, wow, this is just depressing. Like the people are depressing. And the church in Africa is just alive. And you talk about miracles because they don't have all of our resources. So they just depend on God. So they do (laughs) celebrate like every single, the light turned on is a miracle to them, right? Their daily bread they know comes from the hand of God. So amazing place. Our kids, just um, the transformation. There's... um, 
a different kind of trafficking um, symptom over there where they're not in the gangs. They're not glorified with our music. So the girls truly want out and we're helping their families if they were the breadwinners, as you say. So it's just a, it's a different culture and feel here. We are still believe that God's called us to prototype the program. The program that we had at Courage House per our mental health professionals, was the best results-oriented program in the United States. We still have all those results. We still have all of those um, processes and working with different states and that don't have the same kind of laws that still will allow a long-term program. Mm-hmm. And then we are focused. We had 46, 47 girls as children that were here in this region. And so our focus is on those 47 mm-hmm. who are over 18 that still have a very long, messy journey, who didn't necessarily go back to trafficking, but may have been in a domestic violence situation, may have picked the wrong guy because their picker's not right, right? Because we still don't have all that wholeness. Who's not going to use their money for a therapy session? Who still needs moms and mentors and now have babies? Mm -hmm. And so our local organization, instead of being a shelter taking in new victims, we promised these kids that we would be family we promise them this messy journey and we fail at it because we can't be there like they want us to be there. Um, and so there is guilt always and just loving them to the best of our abilities and providing resources yeah. is that we will continue doing that. What we don't have to do as much anymore is educate the community because now there's so many other trafficking organizations we were called to open a home mm-hmm. we had to do a lot of awareness and education because people are like we don't even know what we're given to or yeah. who we're trying to help so we've kind of been alleviated of that burden of beating that drum of it's happening it's happening it's happening and we can just focus on mm-hmm. our our kids and young women yeah and if people want to learn more about getting involved with Courage Worldwide or the fight against sex tra- trafficking in general, uh, where where can they do that? Or, or where can they learn more about you and what you're doing? Give us some, some resources or places they can go to learn yeah, more about as Courage. As everyone, social yeah. media yeah. and the website. So courageworldwide.org. Uh-huh. And then we have Instagram and Facebook that we're pretty active on and always kind of posting stories about our kids and our girls and our challenges and all that good stuff. Beautiful. Love it. So it's courageworldwide.org. Yes. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been an incredible uh, conversation. I mean, expecting to talk about one thing, and we did talk about that one thing a lot, but man, we we touched on a whole lot of other uh, issues as well. And I think we gave, hopefully, I mean, certainly gave me a lot to chew on and gave everyone else just a lot to to process and think through. So so thank you to you very much for being our guest today. Thanks to Lance for uh, your time as always. A big thank you to Audio engineer Lucian Hughes and our new Engaging Culture video director, Brenton Ekstrand. Welcome to the team, Brenton. Thanks to you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Would encourage you to learn more about Courage Worldwide and their work at courageworldwide.org. And we'll see you in two more weeks with another episode of Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.